I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You're listening to our daily podcast edition of the program. I'm honored to welcome Fernafiat Korka to the show today. He is creative director at RFERL Belarus Service and a digital media expert and journalist. Um, Fernak, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. It's, it's nice to be here. Uh, let me ask you, what is the status of the protest movement um, and the enraged citizens who are protesting uh, what they view to have been a farce of, of, a, of an unfair and undemocratic um, uh, election? Uh, it's actually a very unique situation, and there is no uh, any precedences of, of something like this before in Belarus history. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people gathered in Minsk and the regions, uh, and uh, for me personally, it was shocking because I never believed that Belarusians are able for uprising. It was something like from um, fantastic movies, uh, and now these protests continue for the fourth week in a row. Uh, they're not uh, getting lesser or weaker. Uh, opposite, more people are joining. And I think people are really angry and really tired of the incumbent president, uh, Alexander Lukashenko. And this is the main reason why they go there. And this is the main reason why they are risking their lives and their health. Uh, they just want changes. They badly want changes. Frank, um, let me ask you this. Is the, was the effort to delegitimize your election, was it an inbred decision? Was, did, did it originate in Belarus or was it really a Russian operation? Uh, so before, before the election day, it was not about Russia at all. Russia was not interested. Russia was not uh, involved. But suddenly, after crackdown happened and many people got detained, arrested, beaten, and they reportedly tortured, Russia-backed uh, uh, president, or not president anymore, Lukashenko, uh, very actively. And why he did that? Because Russia is really afraid of democratic Belarus. Russia is really afraid that democracy will come, and this democracy will not be controlled, and this democracy will lead to the fully pro-Western, pro-liberal uh, government in Belarus. And right now we see, uh, we don't see three sides. We don't see government versus uh, opposition versus Russia. We see the people, uh, all the groups, all the social demographics groups are there against authorities and Russia together. Basically now they're playing on one side of the, of the field. And it's very difficult to uh, fight against such a contender. It's very difficult to resist when your enemy is Russia because it has resources, it has uh, power, it has influence, not just in Belarus, but also outside. And I think this is, uh, this is the reason why these protests cannot transform into something bigger in, and, and bring to real power transition. Russia just blocking blocking any possible uh, transition, any possible um, um, process that will lead to the change of, of the government. Let me ask you, what is the situation now with the campaign to 
pressure the president to resign. Um, and do the protesters have a viable opportunity to not just express their dissatisfaction with the current situation, but to literally enact change um, so that a new administration or a new president um, would be appointed? Uh, Honestly, it's very difficult. And there is no legal way of doing that. Why? Because the whole power vertical in Belarus, the whole state is the party of the incumbent president. For 26 years in power, Lukashenko has built a mechanism of helping, supporting, and protecting himself. And this is why there is no even way in Belarus for workers to announce the strike. Can you imagine that political strikes in Belarus are not uh, allowed? Did you know that, for example, constitutional court or any other institution is not able to cancel election results? So basically, Central Election Committee has the absolute power in determining who will be the president. And what we, what we face right now, we, we, we face uh, uh, the situation with no legal solution. So all the possible uh, scenarios that we are discussing right now, they are uh, including, they are considering um, some, some crash of the system, either the, uh, yeah, the collapse of the system, either the uh, blood and violent uh, coup d'etat. And uh, unfortunately, me personally, I don't see other, I don't see the third way. And, uh, and it's very sad that Lukashenko, the only person who can stop violence right now, he even doesn't consider such, uh, such a way. He doesn't want to discuss the potential dialogue as the option at all. You know, people in prisons and uh, in the hospitals, you know, tortured, wounded, uh, handicapped, and Lukashenko says, you know, that all of them are criminals. You no, know? you know, it's their problem. We don't care. Police didn't use violence. And you know, if if you don't admit such basic, evident facts, you know, you you will not uh, sit at the negotiation table with your opponents. Definitely. Let me ask you this: um, You said there's no legal mechanism for enacting the will of the protesters. But the protesters would say that the election itself was a sham and was illegal. Uh, oh, indeed, indeed. It was uh, uh, what, we, uh, what, uh, what we know. We, we definitely see that um, uh, the, the frequency, uh, I mean, the, the turnout was falsified. We know that uh, uh, results at the majority of uh, Electoral stations were falsified. How we didn't know that? Uh, three thousand of commissions of three uh, three thousand of four thousand five hundred did not publish the results. Did not publish the protocol. And that's number one fact. The number two fact: we see a lot of anomalies. We can see, for example, three stations 
and two stations were independent observers controlling votes. And Tikhanovskaya has won uh, at these stations with 80% and more. And we see the one station with no observers where Lukashenko is winning 90%. This, you know, that's evident there is manipulation. And the third fact, the third argument is that we uh, had alternative systems of conducting votes count. Um, there were developed two uh, websites uh, that allowed people to take photo of their uh, voting ballots, to upload it, to prove personality through the, um, uh, through the, through the Apache and personal ID. And this system uh, fixed a lot of discrepancies between official results and this virtual results. So basically, um, all these facts, they do not prove that opposition has won. But all of them prove that Lukashenko definitely did not win. And he definitely did not get 50% needed for the victory in the first uh, round. So the, the only uh, possible solution here is A, to prove that uh, results are fake, and second, to put enough pressure on, on authorities to recognize this fact. And right. the is, is, exactly, exactly. And, and it's so hard to prove that something did not happen when the government line is that it did happen. And how are you grappling with that, that situation? The difficulty in trying to disprove something where the, the evidence that the government wants to put forward is false. And so you're, you're, you're in this position of having to debunk the falsehoods of the government. Yes, and it's almost impossible. And authorities, they do know it very well. The electoral system, it works perfectly. But it's not a real electoral system. It's a falsification system. And the same as law enforcement, it was built in order to serve the supreme leader interest. And now, even if you debunk, even it's evident that these results are fake, still authorities will be saying that you are not right, that the real results are here. And unfortunately, you don't have any other instrument because the court is dependent, uh, the, the uh, ju judiciary is dependent on the government, the executive and uh, legislative branches, they are basically the same. So you don't have allies in government who can say, yes, guys, you're right, the elections were rigged. So, so this uh, street protest is just like so the street and the protest right now, they need to create the parallel government, the government within the government, in order to prove that this um, system of, uh, of, of power vertical built by President Lukashenko, it cannot uh, function anymore properly. And this is what Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya the leader of opposition. This is what the Coordination Council, created by the opposition, uh, must serve. They must create institutions, alternative institutions, to the ones of uh, created by Lukashenko. Right. So you said, Frank, that you were surprised that your your democracy unraveled in the way that it did um, so quickly. Is that correct? Uh, I was surprised that uh, 
people are able for resistance because I never believed that Belarusians oppressed for so long and so heavily can oppress uh, uh, and can keep this uprising going for so long. Right. So let me ask you this. How important do you think it is for stability uh, in, in uh, developed democracies for there to be a change in leadership in the United States, especially in um, the former Soviet territories, countries, and that region of the world. How important do you think it is that there be a new American administration to uh, help um, see, to help undo the damage of these past years um, in, in Eastern Europe and elsewhere, but also to try to help build the political capital to restore democratic values to this part of the world? Uh, the United States were always leader, were always the, the democracy champion in the world, and it was always the symbol for, for those uh, democratic movements uh, fighting against the press regime. And it was always the example, it was always the, um, the, the, um, the torch, you know, what, what this uh, democratic movements were trying to reach. So America was always, um, did not play always like super important role, but it was always playing symbolic role. And unfortunately, last year, the American presence in the world uh, declined uh, somehow, and uh, its role became not, not pretty clear, uh, including for those in Belarus. Uh, but uh, institutions founded and created by the United States, including such as uh, IMF, uh, uh, institutions where the United States take part, like OC and others, they do play their role. Uh, so um, even if the uh, United States as, as, as the state uh, are too busy with their own stuff, they still support you know, this international democratic order, which, uh, which is helpful. You know, it's not uh, solving the problem, but it's helping. It can help. You know, it, can, it can create instruments for, for democratic transformation in countries such as Belarus. At this juncture, what can you tell me and our listeners is the best case scenario for the next month or six months in your country? And what is the worst case scenario in that same time period? The worst case scenario is that um, Lukashenko crackdowns on the opposition media uh, and creates a small Crimea, Turkmenistan or North Korea in the middle of the Europe. And Russia uh, changes uh, him to more loyal uh, government or party or leader. And uh, then we will get another like quasi-independent state, similar to Transnistria or Abkhazia or Crimea. But Crimea is not, not really independent. Uh, but but uh, which will serve as the buffer between Russia and the West. It's the worst case scenario. But the most uh, optimistic scenario is that uh, Russia supports Lukashenko, but uprising uh, doesn't give up. Uprising is getting bigger. The the, the crack uh, inside of the government system getting larger as well. And at some point, the system 
in, uh, of this power vertical in Belarus collapse. And the civil society quickly takes its role, quickly rebuild institutions. Russia is not, not able to, uh, to react so quickly. And of course, Russia is not able to send uh, troops to Belarus because of the uh, impossible international reaction. And Belarus is, uh, is developing its own new uh, independent state in good relations with uh, both the West and, and Russia. This is the most optimistic scenario. And in that optimistic scenario, what do you think the role potentially of a new American administration, if Vice President Biden were to be elected, what would the role of the United States be? And, and so far in this process of trying to preserve democratic normalcy in a climate where there were illegitimate and undemocratic practices, how has Europe or European countries, um, how have they tried to provide a support system, if, if at all, to your country, which is beleaguered under the maladministration and malfeasance of, of, a, of an undemocratic president? Um, independently of the presidential elections, you know, um, there is hope that people in charge of the international policy uh, who are, are heads of uh, State Department primarily, uh, U.S. agency for global media, that these guys, they will understand perfectly what, what's important, what is not, and why uh, it matters for the United States to support democratic movements in countries such as Belarus. We will see who will win the, the autumn elections, uh, Biden or Trump. Of course, under Trump, it was a bit uh, neglected, the, the presence, especially in small, smaller countries. But it always matters in all the team who will be surround the, uh, the president. So if this team of Biden or Trump will, uh, will prioritize, and I think it must prioritize these issues, then we will have a chance on a more active American presence and role in international processes, and it will also mean that Belarus could become more democratic quicker. Because definitely, you know, the lack of active American participation, it, uh, it uh, gives um, time and some advantages to players uh, such as China or Russia. As a final question, um why do you think there was not a check in place to prevent the um, usurping of, of the popular will and, and democratic vote? Uh, in other words, why were there not other branches of your government or other um, checks, mechanisms to prevent there from being a fraudulent election? Um, that's a very good question. There is a, per, there is a very nice book uh, called How Democracies Die. And I think this book is written about Belarus primarily uh, because uh, President Lukashenko, he, um, he, when he to, takes the power, it was a democratic country. And he used democratic processes to paralyze the state and to uh, build authoritarian rule. 
he destroyed their legislative branches, he destroyed their uh, judicial branches, he, um, he uh, substituted the real parliament with his pocket parliament. Later, he destroyed all enemy voices or alternative voices. And after 15, 20 years, he basically didn't have much opponents. And he made the whole power, the whole government, working only for him. If you ask in Belarus, for example, the name of any other politician than Lukashenko or any other official, like prime minister, less than 1% of people will say the name. They don't know who is prime minister. They don't know any of the members of parliament because the whole system was changed and was adjusted to the will of one, one person. And this is the very, very important to tell the story of President Lukashenko to not let other countries in the world repeat the same mistakes. And so you don't think there was something unique to your country? Uh, you view this as part of the global trend in, in Eastern Europe and, and some former Soviet states. Uh, there was nothing specific to your country. You view it more within the, the movement of, of this authoritarian resurgence. Exactly, exactly. There is rise of populisms worldwide, but also the democracies are not very active in defending themselves. Democracies try to gain money. Democracies are trying to be more pragmatic. And in fact, uh, they enable more dictatorial regimes. They enable authoritarianisms, not because they want that, but because they don't do anything to stop it and to prevent it. And this is why, this is how uh, Lukashenko's Belarus um, arised. Uh, Franak Vyatorka, thank you so much for your insight today. Thank you.